Amen. Yeah. Praise God. So good to be with you today. One of my core values, I'm committed to change, so I just put that thing on my left side, so I probably will knock it over before I'm over, because I'm so used to it always being on my right, you know? And there's certain things I say to you from this side of the platform to that side of the platform. So today, I'm trying to change what I do, because I know you all are sitting in your same seats, and I'm glad because you need to hear and you don't want any distractions. So here's the thing that I want to say before I read the verses to you. This is going to be a very familiar passage of scripture to you. And way back when I was a boy of 19 years old, God called me to surrender my life to him. Prior to that moment, I had told him no countless times and had been running my own life and doing my own thing. And uh, I was messed up as a result of it. But when he, man, he's, isn't he amazing how merciful he is that he would ever have that kind of patience to call us? And he did, and I came. My brother Mark and my wife, who was my girlfriend on that night, uh, gave our lives to Christ the very same day. It was in January of 1982. I gave my life to Christ at the age of 19, so now you know how old I am. Yeah, think about this. I'm there. My brother Mark had been uh, walked with God, had been called by God at the age of 13 to be a, uh, an evangelist. And he had walked away from the Lord. He's four years older than me. And um, he, when, they, when we gave our lives to Christ, my father asked if he would preach like the second week after we gave our lives to Christ because of his call in his life. Now, we were in a small church. Uh, you know, I'm looking at this as our 11 o'clock service. There's, you know, our first service at 915, we have a full house. This one's a little bit less right now, but it's like, I'd say probably however many you are in here, that would have been an amazing Sunday for us on one service at that church. And then we had church on Sunday night, and um, um, maybe that section would show up for the Sunday night service, that many people. <laughs> like maybe 15, something like that. And so it was kind of like a safe environment for my father to let my brother preach because those 15 people were there anytime the door opened and they were like gonna be gracious with him and just be there no matter what. And so we got down to pray. We did that in that church I grew up in at the time we had prayer for the community, uh, for, you know, in the service. We had an order service then too and we would sing three hymns and uh, four hymns, pray, and then we would have the message after prayer. And so at that time when we got down on our knees to pray, and it wasn't a long prayer time, you know, like I remember as a kid, you know, being down on that bench, uh, we had hardwood pews and tile floor and playing around in there and doing stuff. But at this moment, my life had been changed and I was there with the Lord and like incredibly changed inside. My brother read, leaned over to me and said, I don't know if I can do this. Like he was supposed to preach. And I mean, after prayer, you preach, right? And so in my youthful faith and vigor for the Lord, uh, I just said, God, if he can't, I'm willing. What do you want me to say? And I opened my Bible, and it fell on this passage in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And when I looked at that scripture, the only way I can explain it to people is, you know, like if you've ever heard a songwriter talk about a song and inspiration where all of a sudden they just couldn't stop writing and it was there. I didn't have anything to write on. 
I didn't have any notes. I wasn't planning on preaching. But I was like open and so blindly faithful in a good way to God. I was just like, I'll do it. Tell me. And it was like, God just opened up my head and poured this thing right inside of me. Like, incredible. It was just all like, and I leaned over to my brother and said, I'm ready. I'll do it. You don't have to. So the reason I tell you that is because God is amazing. And as he did that, and I read these scriptures, every single time I read, every time I read these scriptures, man, I stop and I'm like, man, God, I cannot believe that you did that to me. Why? I'm the same guy that, you know, only a few weeks before that was telling him to leave me alone. <laughs> that when he would talk to me, I would like close my ears. Whenever the Spirit of God began to move in the service, and believe it or not, even in that legalistic church, the Spirit of God moved. You know why? Because it was about Jesus, but it was also a bunch of other stuff. But God is honoring Jesus. And so he honored that by being there. And when the Spirit of God would move, I would like harden myself and tell him to leave me alone. And here I am, only like a week after saying yes to him, after all that years of rejection, and I was raised in the church, and believe me, there was a lot of years of rejection. You may think I was young. Look, for 19 years, I said no to God. As long as I can remember, he was talking to me and calling me until I finally was doing this, and I couldn't hear him anymore. And there I was, man. And God's like, okay, you're willing? Here it is. The Lord's amazing. And he was teaching me something in that moment that I had no clue about. And that was listening to God, hearing him. So now I want to read these scriptures to you and tell you how that has changed through the years as I've grown with him. But let me hear it, what God has to say to us, and let's look together at this scripture in Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So church, as I read this, we have to understand something. When we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, a life journey began. Prior to that, I had a life. That life is now dead. I start with Jesus. I'm going forward in a new life. We all agree with that? God's word says it. That's not Dave's theology. That's God's teaching. So we begin a new journey. Let's walk with it then for a second. As we begin this new journey, something has to take place in us that we have to learn. What we have to learn is that God is in charge and I need to follow his directions. See, prior to that moment of receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and then God depositing himself, Holy Spirit, God in us, prior to that, Everything else gave us direction in life. But when it all boils down, it was still me. I gave the direction to my life. Now, I allowed outside voices to influence it. I allowed outside voices to interpret how I measured my value in life. 
who I was and what was expected of me. I allowed all kinds of things to tell me who I am and what I should or should not do. But ultimately, I made that decision. It was me. And now as I step into this brand new life in Christ, I've stepped out of the world of influence, self-influence, into God's influence. Here's the challenge with that. When I read the teachings of Jesus, right here in the Word, it's, he says, a lamp is placed. Bam. The lamp doesn't have a say-so. The owner of the lamp knows right where to place that lamp so that it would give the most light in the right place that it's needed, right? I mean, that's no-brainer. So he's trying to tell us something. Church, he tells us we are the light of the world, right? If we're the light of the world, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you have, then God says you are the light. So he is shining through us. Therefore, God has placed us right now where we are in our life. If we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, if we're saying yes to God in our life, then we are where God placed us. Stop complaining about where you are and start shining. See, what happens in the Christian community oftentimes is we want to cluster together as a bunch of lights. And we want lights that shine just like us. And so we cluster over here and God's saying, I am putting you in places where your light can benefit those that are in the darkness. Therefore, your workplace is where God has placed you. Where you go to school is where God placed you. Where you go get your coffee, God placed you there. You need to shine that light forth so that others might see Jesus through you. Stop looking for another place and be who you are, where you are, for the glory of God. All right, church, let's look at something here for a minute. We have spoken a lot, and you can say amen to that, about surrender, trust, and obey. Right? We have. And it's because it's a lifetime calling, and it's what God is saying to each and every one of us. He is always calling us to a surrender, trust, and obedience at every juncture of our life. Here, as we're talking about this then, and we're learning this new step with God, I told you what happened in the very beginning with God, and he blessed me and changed me, and it was awesome. And then when I was going to speak, it was like, there it is. And God allowed me to preach since that day. It's so amazing. I, so not who I was, not who I chose to be, not how I saw myself. But God said, yes, this is how I made you come and do this. Now, as I've walked with him, I have come to these points in my life where there are what I'm going to interpret as huge moments, but that doesn't mean they're huge moments. They're huge to me because it's a moment God's calling me to surrender, trust, and obey. It can be in a small thing, but it's not small inside of me. It's huge. Because what God does is he's always working at something about me that needs to change. And when I need to change, it requires surrender, trust, and obedience to God. Because I tell you I am committed to change in my core values. It is one of my life core values that I intentionally put in there so that I would face the need of change, not because I like it. So I told you, like, I put this over here because it's always right there. 
like I talk about you guys sitting in the same spot. That's where I sit. I moved down the row once. I did. And now that's where I sit. I used to sit on the other end of that row. But I'm up in the front because y'all distract me. All right? Because I'm easily distracted. And if I'm in the back, I'm going to see everything going on. I have a hard enough time with the kids over there during this service not being distracted and staying concentrated on worship. It's just like I am easily distracted, so I go to the front so that you won't distract me. And I mean that not disrespectfully to you. It's my own problem. It's who I am. So here I am. I'm talking to God about this place that he has brought me. So what I've learned in my walk with God is that God does speak and he does the way God speaks to me is not like an audible voice it's just something in me it's often stirred by message song scripture whatever it is God stirs something with me it could be somebody just talking to me that doesn't know anything or whatever God's doing something right so here it is as I go to these moments where I'm like feeling this something inside of me I wrestle with myself and inside of me there's this thing going on is it really God is that really you, God, or is that just me? Am I the one thinking that? Or is it other people just putting that on me? Or is it the lying voice of the enemy who comes as a deceiver in the false light, who's trying to get me off track from where you want me? So in my head, when I come to those places where there's this something stirring inside of me, all that stuff's going on. And because I'm an emotional person, and I am, and I'm fine with that because I wasn't before Jesus, I had no emotions. I'm grateful for what he did to me and just opened up my heart and made me cry. I love it. Now, not everybody does, and it's fine, but I want you to know this because I know who I am and how God's made me and what he's doing in me, that I know I'm emotional, that I can uh, allow my emotions to take me in many directions while I'm processing. So like... The, like when we're singing worship, man, I go like, whew, I, I feel it. I'm like experiencing all of it, and I love that, you know? And so I'm like, I ride those emotions because they're amazing, and I'm grateful for it. Now, God doesn't allow me to live on emotions, and thank God for that. We walk by faith. So God's just as present when I feel nothing as when I feel like I'm in the presence of heaven. He's there the same, Right? So as God's speaking to me, what I'm processing is just because I feel something doesn't mean that God's the one that's creating the feeling. Because I can feel a lot of stuff about a lot of different things. So I don't want to follow my emotions, right? Okay, so I know that my feelings could go in many directions on the same subject depending on the process that's taking place in my head at the moment. So I know myself. You need to know who you are and be honest with who you are. I want you to know, though, that I, in these, this walk with God that I've been on, I'm determined. I'm all in. I'm like, God, I want to be exactly where you want me. If you say I need to be standing on top of this stand today, I want to stand on that stand. Whatever you want from me, I want to be there. Now, when I sense God saying stand on that stand, I'm going to, in my mind, be like, why would you ask me to do that? 
<laughs> I don't even think I can. Uh, people will think I'm weird. Like, why would I stand on top of that? You know what I mean? Like, all those things come through the mind. So in my heart, I'm like, is that really God? Why would God want me to stand on a stand? Why would he ask me to do that? That's really not who I am. That doesn't fit me. So as I'm processing things, God's bringing me to this place. God's saying, like, I want you where I want you, so I have to surrender to that. I would tell you right now that it would be so much easier for all of us, and especially me, if I was just a lamp and God just picked me up and put me where he wanted me, and I didn't have legs, and I didn't have feelings, and I never will. You know, it's just like, okay, here, do this here now, do it. And then I'd do it, because that would be so easy. But see, church, that's not the way God designed us. He's using this as an illustration, telling us that he is placing us in specific places to shine forth who he is. But I've got to be in those places. And I've got to choose to be there. And for me to be where God wants me requires me to surrender, trust, and obey and get out of his way. Because sometimes, oftentimes, God wants me to be places that I don't want to be. Because I'm not always comfortable where God wants me. But the idea is not about me being comfortable. It's him being seen. Right? Church, are you following it? Come on, man. It's like, wait a minute. Here's God saying, I want you to be here. You've got legs. You've got emotions. You've got a will. You have all those voices out here. Are you going to listen to me? Are you going to do what I'm asking? Dave, surrender. Listen to what God's word says. Because what I've learned is that when everything starts going, and I do sense something inside of me, but it's not clear yet, that I've got to be quiet and listen. That's not my normal response. And I want God to talk to me while I'm doing things. I invite him to talk to me. I give him permission to talk to me, but I'm asking him to do it on my terms, often. Listen to what God's word says. Understand this, it's James 1.19. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. It's a great formula for us, right? Quick to listen. We're not quick to listen, we're quick to speak. We're very quick to speak. And usually when we're speaking in a situation that requires my surrender, I'm usually doing it with emotion. And if I'm doing it with emotion, a lot of times I'll start to get passionate, and then it may go in a wrong direction. So when the Word of God says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, why is it that we don't back up when we first think we're hearing from God and listen? Instead of stepping in, speaking about it, and trying to make everything happen according to what I think I should do. God's never in a hurry, church. God is never in a hurry. I want you to learn from the things that I've had to drudge myself through as I've walked with God. I am always in a hurry. And I realize that the clock is running and I, there's an end for me. And I'm like, God, we don't have a lot of time left. So we should probably get on this because I have visions and dreams that are from you that need to happen. Now, not down the road because I think they should. 
Besides, it's all about you, right? So if it's all about you, it's your vision, it's your dream, let's move. And God's like, I am. And I'm like, yeah, but, right? As soon as we do that, we already know that's the flesh trying to get involved in what God wants to do. Because we're always trying to coach God, give him advice, and try and get him to places that we want to get to. So slow down. Slow down. So I've got to step back, and I've got to walk away from everything and all the distractions that come to us in life. When I'm trying to have spent, I'm telling you right now, I can 100% tell you, my alone time with God is the hardest thing to keep on my calendar. There is always something that tries to push that off the calendar or push it forward. Always. No doubt about it. So here it is. We're learning to slow down and listen before getting ourselves into a situation. God's not looking for a bunch of mindless robots to just do what he says. This relationship that we have with God is based on love. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. I know that's a revelation to the American culture, but love is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a commitment. It's saying yes. It's saying like, whether I feel like it or not, Yes. See, love is saying yes. And it's not about me. And so God is calling us into this relationship and he desires all of this from us so that we will surrender and follow his lead in our life. It's hard for guys to do that. We were created in the likeness and the image of God and therefore we have this sovereignty inside of us that God instilled that can be for his glory and purpose but without his glory and purpose involved we can get ourselves all jacked up and everybody around us with it. Church, men, you are called by God to surrender and follow his lead. As you lead others which we are called to do. We should be following his lead and then we will, leading, we will be leading them in the right direction. That will help your wife and your children and your family be what God designed it to be because we can't mess it up if we're following his lead. We will always screw it up if we give the direction. That's why we have such a mess in our culture today. Lord Jesus, help us. So God's inviting us into this relationship based on love and choices and what we do. We got to learn to sift through the noise and the distractions of life, the voices that are there in life, the things that are going on to determine what is God saying to me in this moment of my life. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Do you want to know God's voice? Start reading your Bible. Church, do you realize that the vast majority of Christians in our nation rarely read their Bible? I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about the world. I don't expect them to. But if you just wanted to go and do some searches and you look at, you know, the most recent polls and surveys of the Christian church in the United States of America, meaning those churches that say they believe in Jesus, the Word of God, conservative Christianity, the percentages of people that read the Word of God daily is minuscule and it's the number one way God speaks to us we all want God to speak to us in mystical dreams 
We want him to just like gloriously say something to us or give us a vision and then God, I'll do it. I'll know it's you. Say, God says, I've talked to you already. It's written down for you and you're not even looking. Man, when I go to the store and my wife wants something, you know what I tell her? Text me, don't tell me. (laughs) I already know right now that if you just tell me and I go to the store, I'm not bringing it back. Because as soon as I walk in, I'm like, oh, what's cereals on sale this week? (laughs) cereal's not on her list it's never on her list she doesn't need to put it on her list because I'm going down the cereal aisle you know what I mean (laughs) so it's like if you don't text me I'm telling you right now I'm already distracted and I'm going to buy five things ten things put it in that basket and I'm going to come home and she's going to be like did you get it no (laughs) the what (laughs) you said that right all right so here's the deal I'm saying hey babe whatever you want I'm heading to the store text me now I won't open it. I have these issues. I'm just like, I'm confessing this to you right now. Like if I even open the text before I get to the store and there's no little dot by it, I probably won't look at it again, (laughs) right? So I like set my phone down and wait for it. And like I have that temptation to open that text, like don't touch it, you know, wait till you get in the store. And then I open it and I lay it in the basket, open, you know, that little top tray. That's what that's there for, your phone. And I lay it there. I'm like, that, that. So I'm going to try and go and get everything on the list before I start my own crazy meandering. Never happens. It never happens. I'm telling you, even when it's written in front of me, and I'm going that direction, so i got to start in the produce. I know my grocery store. I'm going to the produce aisle first, so I'm heading over there, and of course, right on the end cap, Captain Crunch is on sale. I'm in. (laughs) Right? All right, so now I grab that and throw it in the basket, and three for $1.97 is my favorite. If you ever see that, text me. All right, so I throw that in there, and I'm like, wait a minute, there's my phone. Oh, I got to do that, right? Here's God's word. Church, I'm done with the shopping list. Listen to me. God's given it to us. It's written right out in front of us. He's like, this is what I want from you, and we glance at it, and we start our day. We're distracted by this and that and that, and God's trying to talk to us, and I'm busy doing my thing. I'm busy living my life. I'm writing my story in the world. And God's like trying to call us back. Here it is. I've got it written out for you. Will you pay attention? It's alive and powerful, his word says. This word is alive and powerful. Listen to what the Word of God says. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing is hidden in all of creation from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one to whom we are accountable. Oh, maybe that's why we don't like to read the Bible. Or maybe that's why the devil doesn't want us to read the Bible. Because man, when the word of God is exposed to us and we're exposed to the word of God, God does some incredible work in us. His word stabs us, doesn't it? But he doesn't just randomly poke us. God's not like some sadistic God who he's like, whack, how you like that one? No, it's intentional. Because he knows us. And so the stab comes right in the heart, right where we need to have something removed. That's the way the word of God is. Do you hear what he said to us? It's like, man, look, it's like everything is open. Your innermost thoughts and desires are exposed when the word of God comes. 
So the truth of the matter is, we're still wrestling with God of who's writing this story. We're still wrestling with God about whose vision and dreams are going to be fulfilled in this life, even while we're serving him. And so God is calling us and he's saying, would you just like release, surrender, empty yourselves, get out of the way so that I can do what I designed you for. When we allow God to speak through his word, he does. He always does. Now, as I talked about my early, my very early um, preaching thing, I'm like, God, what do you want me to say? And open the Bible, and there it is. And God's like, that's what I want. Here's what I want you to say. This is what. And it just like poured into me. Now, I want you to know that that's not the way I live my life. That'd be awesome. Like, I'm, I'm ready, God. Fill it up. No, that's not the way it is. I was young. I had a credible faith that he would do that, and he did it because he's God. But now he's invited me into this relationship, and he's saying, Dave, you need to, like, listen to me. You need to know what I say. Come to me. Let's learn together. But a lot of Christians are still doing the random, like, uh, horoscope Bible reading. Like, God, you know what I need to do today? Turn in the pages electronically, verse of the day. That's from you. That's it. Let's read it. I'm in. Let's go. We got to get past that, church. God's not like giving horoscopes. That's from the devil. Stop reading that crap. But anyway, God's word is truth, man. And he's like taking us on a journey to grow us up and to, to become what he died to make us. And so we're looking at this stuff. Now, if you're in the room and you did this, I forgive you. Uh, but so some people throughout my years of being a pastor, they've brought me gifts. And here's what they were. The lost books of the Bible. Someone brought me that. Have you ever read these? Here, it's a gift. And I'm like, seriously, have you ever read the one that we already have? Why are we looking for the lost books when we have one that's found, that's in agreement with what God's word, that's been in the church since its formation? And we're not even reading that, but we're more fascinated with the, hey, somebody had a vision. Let's go listen to that person. Someone's got a fresh revelation. Let's go listen to this. You know God's given the revelation. It's in the word of God and it's available to us. Why in the world are we keep looking for something that makes us see beyond? You know why? Because all of us just want it given to us. Every one of us wants the easy road. I want the easy road. I'm not going to confess that to you right now. I've told God that. Comfort, ease, air conditioning, love it. I never wanted to go camping. I never understood camping. I'm like, why would you go live in the woods in uncomfortable situations when God has given us a home with running water, heat and air conditioning, a bedroom? I'm like, why would you do that? You gotta take a vacation and go camping. Well, my kids and my family all wanted to do it. And I told my wife, I'm like, you know, I mean, you already know this about me, babe. I don't like camping. I'll go hunting and I will struggle through camping if I have to, to hunt because there's a purpose. But just to go live there? Seriously, I don't get it. So a few years ago, I'm like, oh, all right, I'm done. I'm like, I'm all in. So we started getting camping stuff and going camping. And so what I tried to do is duplicate my house in the woods. <laughs> so I got this tent that's the biggest one made. It's 27 by 13, and it has a vestibule that's 12 by 9. 
And I have a king-sized bed. No, I'm not joking here either. With a frame that has memory foam mattress. And the first time we went camping, we looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> we had people coming up at the gas station taking pictures, for real. I had so much junk on the back of this trailer because I told her I wasn't going to buy a trailer. Believe me, it would have been cheaper to buy a trailer. All right, but by the time we were done, you know, I'm pulling this thing down the road that has a little small car to drive while you're camping instead of my truck. Has that tent, has the kitchen, has the solar shower, the self-enclosed bathroom. Uh, has, I mean, I'm not joking. I got a wood stove and a heater. I mean, it's all there, right? And I spend a full day building a house to camp. And I'm like, man, this does not make any sense to me, but I love y'all, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, just want the family to know how much I love them and how much I sacrifice to make that work for them. So here's the deal. What I'm saying is, it's like, I don't even know how I got off on that. It exposes the innermost desires. I'm exposing my innermost desires. I don't want to camp. All right, I'll let that go right now. All right, what? See, when God's speaking to us and he wants us to do something, he usually wants me to go where I don't want to. And it requires me surrendering. And so you see, what I do is if I have to surrender, I'm going to surrender on my terms. I'm going to take my house with me because I don't like to be uncomfortable. That was the point. Here it is. So God's saying, Dave, I want you to surrender, trust, and obey me. And I'm like, sure, I will, as long as these needs are met. <laughs> as long as I'm comfortable when I get there, and I like it. And God's like, I want you to do what I ask. And you don't worry about any of that stuff. See, I have to be willing to listen to him, and that's great. And I have to trust him in it, but then see, this problem is, is then I have to obey. I got to go to the wilderness, and I got to be there. And it's the only time that I really hear God clearly is when I get away from my stuff and get into his presence. And I'm not talking about in the woods. I'm talking about away from Dave's needs to what God wants. And it's there I hear him the clearest. What I've learned about myself, church, is that oftentimes when I go to talk to God, I already know what I want to hear. I know what I want him to say. And I know the direction I want us to take. And so I can go in there even in a quiet time with God where I'm listening and looking to his word and I can still dictate how this is gonna come out. This is one of the reasons I encourage people not to look at concordances study notes in their Bible or any of that kind of stuff, those help things. Because what I've found is I can even manipulate the Word of God to say what I want it to say. Because, you know those concordances? You can look up one word, like beloved. Because I already know David and John were the beloveds of God. So I want to know that I am his beloved. So if I look up beloved, I'm like, yeah, man, God and I got this thing, and he's like right with me, and he's blessing everything I do right? And I can find verses to support that, but that's probably not what really God's saying to me. What God's probably saying to me is, Dave, I love you, and you got to knock that off. <laughs> you got to stop and let me be God right here and right now. So when I 
want something from God or I feel God stirring something inside of me, I'm already trying to spin what he's saying to me so that I'm okay with it. But deep within me, I already knew that he was trying to say something to me. I've been trying to cipher through all the noise to know that it is him saying it to me. And as I go through that, when I honestly seek God's direction and will, I have to surrender my feelings, my thoughts, my ideas to the fact that he's God, he knows better. And that it's not about what I think or no matter what I feel like in the moment or how it appears to me in the second. He knows my future and I don't. I always think there's a tomorrow in my life. Always. I expect to be here next Sunday. I do, 100%. There's going to be a day I'm not. You know what I mean? And I have to remind myself of that. I look in the mirror and say, you're going to die, Dave. Because, not that I'm morbid or anything, I'm just saying, like, you got to realize, dude, this is a life that God's given. And it's going to end. Are you doing it his way? Are you still trying to like figure things out on your own and trying to bring him along on your journey? Or are you actually living for him so that if tomorrow is your last day, you're okay to stand in front of him? It's a reality moment. And so let's move on. The devil will tell you what you want to hear. God will always tell you what you need to hear. Church, please hear that. I'm going to say that again. The devil will always tell you what you want to hear. God will tell you what you need to hear. That's why we tend to avoid people that are spiritual when we're going through that. That's why we don't tend to be as attentive to scriptural reading when we're still trying to negotiate with God. That's why we avoid the alone times, maybe even avoid church, when God's stirring something inside of us and we'd rather not hear it because we have an inclination that it's what he's asking. And usually when God's asking something, it makes us uncomfortable. When God's truth is presented, it will stab us in the heart, church. It always does. God's word says. So the confusion that comes after that initial like instigation by God, the confusion that will come where our brain starts saying, yeah, but what about? I want you to know that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not God that does that. Okay? It's not God when you're going like, yeah, but what if? And God, if I, and you know, if we, like, that's not God. That's me trying to like convince God that what he's saying to me isn't the right thing exactly. That it needs to be kind of changed a little bit. But God's calling us to something. Way back in, um, when we were back in, uh, Wayne, Michigan, and God was saying something to me, trying to, and I was sorting through the confusion and the noise in my head. I couldn't sleep. If you can't sleep, there's probably a reason. You should probably pause and talk to God. I was miserable inside. I was like torn by what was happening inside of me, and God was like pushing something, and I was like convinced it couldn't be God. Because what he was asking me was something I never expected to have to answer, ever. I was on a journey for God already, and he was going to disrupt it. 
And it just did not seem like it was possible that that was God talking. But he was telling me I needed to quit my church. I didn't talk to anybody. Inside of me, there was this, it would not stop, eating in my stomach. And I was like, yeah, but I had a vision. I knew it was from God. I had this, and I knew it was from God. I had a life call, and I knew it was from God. I knew it was in that place that I was called to be for the rest of my life. These were my people. They spoke my language. This was my culture. I knew it. Everyone that came from the outside to come to minister in that Detroit metro area would tell me this is the hardest place I've ever ministered in all the places I've been. This place is so dark. And I'd be like, really? I didn't even know. Because it was where I lived. And so I was like saying all this to God and inside of me it was there, right? And I'm like not sleeping at night, waking up at 2 and then wake up at 3 and wake up at 3.30 and miserable as can be and going outside and and like just sitting on the porch and like god it can't be you <laughs> it's god it was god it was god telling me to quit you're done here as i went through that and i was wrestling with him it was like are you really willing to hear he's not telling me to quit right now so just relax if you're thinking that <laughs> It was back then on that porch, and I'm, I'm always a little nervous when he starts talking to me about things that I'm uncomfortable with. I'm like, oh, no, please don't make us go here again. <laughs> so you see, like, the very first surrender that all of us have to give is the willingness to hear. It's one of the hardest things we overcome. It really is. To really hear God. So he's like, will you let me do this? And of course you have to say, how can you say no to God, right? I mean, when you're following him? Like, yes, you know I will. Did you hear that? That wasn't a yes, I will. I said, yes, you know I will, future tense. <laughs> there will be a surrender to this, but right now we got to talk because things don't make sense to me. Why did you give me that vision if I'm not in this place to see that vision fulfilled? You know what the answer to that was? Four years after I moved here, he said, I never said you were involved in that. I just showed you. <laughs> that really sucked. I'm telling you the truth. I was like, what do you mean? I mean, I saw it, therefore I assumed I was part of it. No, I just showed you. So God's like, I'm taking you on a journey, Dave. You need to pay attention. You need to know what I'm saying and where I'm leading you, and you need to surrender to what I'm saying right here, right now. So church, I'm asking you right now, are you willing to hear what God wants to say to you right here, right now, in your gut? Are you willing? We're like, here's the pen, God. You can write the story. The next page of the story of my life, you can write. I don't know what I'm doing. So we look in the Bible and we see that the Jews who studied the word of God, the Old Testament, that's all they had. They studied that. They were looking for the Messiah. They believed wholeheartedly in their interpretation of what God said, the word of God as they interpreted it and taught it. 
and they were teaching about the coming Messiah. Their teaching was wrong. Did you hear me, church? Their teaching was wrong. But they were 100% convinced. And they were teaching all of their people what they believed they saw, what they thought they learned, and what they thought they know. And then when it was happening before their very eyes, they wouldn't accept it. Because it didn't fit into their future story the way they had interpreted it. It was a God story, wasn't it? It was. They had written their own God story using Scripture. And when Jesus came, he didn't fit the role. He wasn't the character. He wasn't the guy that they were looking for because they had so fixed their future ideas on who he was going to be, they missed him. Now I want to say something to you that's going to be hard for all of us to hear. All of us have had a spiritual upbringing. We have a spiritual foundation. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist and you were raised that way. You have a spiritual foundation because that spiritual foundation is there is no God. If you were taught there is a God, you were taught something about him and you believed that. And you saw him for who he was based on what you were taught. You have chosen to go to church. And in this church and any other church you've been a part of, You've been taught about God and who he is and what his word says. And therefore, we develop a belief in who this God is and how this relationship works. We can all use the terminology in the church the same, like we believe you have to be saved. So what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Because what it means to you may be something completely different to me based on how you were taught salvation is. Some people think all you got to do is get wet and you're saved, right? I mean, that's true. Some people think all you got to do is go and receive communion from a clergy person and you're going to get saved. Some people think that you are saved just because you believe there is a God and you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. What is it? You see, church, we come from these things, and now when we hear something from the Word of God or even in a message or someone talking, we are still hearing God through our own filters. And God's like, do you really hear me? Or do you hear who you want to hear? Are you listening for the God that makes you comfortable? Or are you listening to who God really is? Because when God speaks to us about our own life, it usually makes us uncomfortable because we all like to be comfortable and we definitely want to be comfortable in our relationship with God. It's one of the things that I have definitely learned through the years is that I need to surrender what I think I know about God, what I think I believe about my relationship with him and like let him interpret what he has to say to me through his word, through the Holy Spirit and me surrendering. That's one of the hardest things for us to do, you know. So here we go back to the Jews. They think they know who he is. They reject him. This is Jesus and them having a conversation. And what it is, is found in John chapter 8. You ready to hear it? Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied. 
For if you really were the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. And they replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you must just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. All right, now this is a dialogue between Jesus and those who are teaching God's word, telling these people everything about who God was, what was required to serve him, who the Messiah would be, what he would do when he gets there. And Jesus is like, you guys are following the devil. You're not following God. If you did, you'd know who I am. Okay, right now, I just want you to know that as I read scripture like that, I'm like, whoa, I need to put the brakes on and stop trying to think I know everything and really listen to what God's saying. Not what I think he said. Not what I've been told that he said. But to know what he said. Now I need to spend time in the word of God and listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to me and hear the truth because the truth, as we already know, in the word of God says that it will stab us right where we need to be stabbed. Not randomly, perfectly. These are your pre-action steps. I said pre-action steps, so don't pack your stuff and get ready to leave. Listen. Do you really want to know what God has to say to you? Do you really want to know what he has to say to you? Are you attempting to get his endorsement and acceptance of your version of your life story? Are you like, are you really letting God write your story? Are you really following his lead? I mean, look at your life and see, does it really reflect the story God wrote for you and is writing for you? Or is it following the script that you have submitted and asking him to endorse? That's the next question I have here. You know, like when we're negotiating with God through prayer and we're trying to get him to do what we want, I want you to know that's you. That's not God. Slow down. Speak to him. Let him know what you want, but listen. If you find yourself sharing your story with God, probably aren't in the right place. As we listen, we need to stop talking so that he can say something. He wants us to talk. Remember these verses we've gone over a hundred times so far? Listen, in Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, here you go. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Oh, so I can submit my manuscript? Yes, I can. I can ask him for anything. I can ask him about anything. I can submit that thing. But church, when we submit God our needs, that doesn't mean now go make them happen. It says, tell him 
But it doesn't stop there. Listen, and thank him for all he's done. So I'm looking at everything that God has already done in my life. And what I see that God has done is when I've surrendered, God's done great things. When I fought with God, it didn't turn out that well. When I tried to write the story, things didn't go smoothly. I was uncomfortable to say yes, but when I said yes, it was the most comfortable place I could ever be because it's right where God wanted me. He's amazing, isn't he? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Listen, church, when we listen, when we surrender, trust, and obey God, and we say yes to him, wherever we say yes to what God is saying to us, there's always peace. Always. If you don't have peace, you probably are in that moment where you need to surrender because there's always peace when God says for us to do something and we actually do it. Always peace. Doesn't mean it's always comfortable, but there's always peace. And it will be in your mind and your heart. Remember the noise? Remember all the distractions? The peace comes when we say yes and we're doing it his way, not mine. If you want that, all you gotta do is stop and listen. He's there for us. So God's truth brings peace when our hearts are in agreement with his will remember here's the moment god is asking every one of us in this place are you listening to me are you hearing now what are you gonna do about it the altar's open the holy spirit has been speaking to you about anything and you need to get right in that area surrender that say yes to god determine through the noise surrender all that stuff please stand with me and come forward everybody can stand makes it easy for us to make a way to the altar if we need to. You don't have to, but it's what God's asking us to do to get to that place where he wants us, right? <laughs> Father, we love you. Thank you for this moment, this moment. Holy Spirit, you're so faithful. Thank you. You're so faithful. Thank you for that.
you I don't like to go camping and stuff, and I don't and all that, but I've done it. We've done it for several years in a row. It's like a family camp trip where everybody in the family goes. It's like there that, you know, the relationships and the love and the strength of our family is like grown because we're away from everything else in the world and we just have that time together. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, for real. As much as I don't like the one element, I love what it does. That's what God wants to do with us, right? Just like, would you allow yourself to be uncomfortable for a little bit so that you can experience that with him that he has for you? God, thank you. Thank you, God. You are amazing. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for the uncomfortable moments of my life. I love you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen.